0: that for us to claim that for ourselves of like, it is my birthright to feel good. Like that's huge. Um, that's a huge thing because especially for people who are oppressed or marginalized in one way or another to stand up and say like, no, like I not only do I like, I don't have to hustle. I I don't and that's a Brené Brown idea too. Like I do not have to spend my entire life hustling to prove my worthiness to someone else. Like I can just be worthy w- without without anyone else's approval. Like that's not dependent on yeah. <laughs> that's not dependent on someone else to give me that. Like I can just claim that.
1: Hello everyone. Welcome to Movement Matters. I am your host, Colin Kurtz. And I'm glad you're here. Thanks for showing up. It means a lot. Mostly to me. I bet it means a lot to other people, though. I'm just glad you're even tuning in, because we put a lot into this and it's a very it's a very rewarding experience in the possibility that you get something out of it is the whole it's the whole point. It's the whole kit and caboodle. I'm gonna just like I am getting better at trying to do it, at least um, just gonna give you a little a little ditty here about today's guest. Alex Tonegus is a dear friend of mine. Um, I think I refer to her as somewhat of a sister and I don't say that lightly. Uh, I definitely don't have many women in my life for whom I would say that, or about whom I would say that. But I've known Alex for a while. We've been friends over for over five years. Um we went through the Feldenkrais professional training program together. And footnote, she finished it. I technically did not, which is a disclaimer. I'm sure the Feldenkrais Guild will appreciate. Um I'm not a Feldenkrais practitioner, so to speak. But she is, and that's the point. And she's a damn good one. And she lives in Pawnee, Indiana. No, she doesn't. Um, She used to live in Muncie, which apparently, fun fact, is what Pawnee, the fictional place in the show Parks and Rec, is based upon. Muncie is where she's from, and Pawnee is based on Muncie. Fun sort of celebratory, uh, celebrity fact. And not that important because now she lives in a whole different state, um, Michigan. She lives in Michigan with her partner. And it's a whole different world for her, as you're going to hear about. 2020 has been a hell of a journey for her. And I think she has, I think, and this is why I pushed for her to join me, um, she's one of the, many people are, that I ask are occasionally, I shouldn't say many, but occasionally people wonder and you know that they wonder it. I mean, they tell me they're wondering it and, and it's obvious that they are wondering it before we get into the flow. Like, what am I doing on the, why am I on the show? Why do I have anything to talk about? And I, I, I hope Alex doesn't, Alex, I hope you don't mind me saying that, but you were, I think you were hesitant. I think she was hesitant about saying, or about what to talk about. So we had a good pre-talk, and we basically agreed on what we would explore, and uh, that was that, and, and that's good. Um, but my main point is that Alex is brilliant, and she's hopefully aware of that. She's, ac- she's absolutely brilliant. She's incredibly smart, talented, gifted, sees things in a way that constantly, ref- I find just constantly refreshing and rewarding and unique is an understatement. They, it matters. She sees things in a way that matters so much and it's so wonderful. And I'm so, so excited for you to hopefully understand that a bit better. One thing that Alex did, which is also always appreciated, is provide me with an intro, (laughs) which, sorry, Alex, I added a little bit too. (laughs) And this is what she wrote. And I'm just going to leave you with this. Um, Also acknowledge her, uh, she has a website, and I'll restate that in the end, but it is... um, just double checking, it is, yep, alextonegas.com. You'll get the spelling in the, uh, the the notes and everything, you'll see. alextonegas.com. But here's the intro she provided, and I will say this, as a preface to the intro. When she read it back, she was delighted to see how much she liked it, which was really fun. I think she basically said, that's pretty good. And you're, you are right, Alex. It is very good. And here it is. Alex Tonigas is a Guild certified Feldenkrais practitioner, outdoor educator, bassoonist, and social environmental change maker based in Southeast Michigan. Grounded in a framework of social permaculture, Alex challenges the status quo through facilitating embodied movement and music, nature connection, and community building. Her passion is exploring human potential and helping people to live fully their unavowed dreams. One final footnote. Um, The Feldenkrais method, you obviously have heard me reference that already here in the intro. I've referenced it probably many, many times and you're going to hear it referenced without any definition in the episode here. Google it, look it up, do your own research, read the book Awareness Through Movement, find a Feldenkrais practitioner, that's the best thing. Uh, Somebody who can either guide you in an ATM class, an Awareness Through Movement class, or a functional integration hands-on session, if um, there's anybody around you doing that right now. And you can find all of that with respect to the, Fel- the Feldenkrais Guild. You can probably find relevant practitioners in classes. But I'll give you my definition of Feldenkrais, or at least how I uh, relate to it. In a nutshell, it's a method that primarily shows you the extent to which you can allow yourself to more fully and creatively be yourself. And the methodology focuses on awareness, of course, of how you move and how you, we say, hold yourself or organize yourself, primarily with respect to your your bones, your skeletal system. But what you quickly realize is the extent to which you organize your skeletal system is how you kind of relate to it's tempting to say everything, and that might be true, but at least what's around you, and at least the people in your life, and most importantly, yourself. And the Feldenkrais method, this is my especially, this is a long nutshell, I know. I think that it's most relevant for those of us, which is a lot of us, who. Probably an extremely high percentage of us who live life as if it's a, as if to get, as if it's something we have to get through and something we have to conquer and something we have to succeed at. Goals are good. But if we excessively orient ourselves towards goals and only orient ourselves towards goals and only strive and only relate to ourselves as something we have to improve and life as something that we have to win, there are gonna be consequences. The way I would say it is bad shit's gonna happen. But undoubtedly, there are gonna be consequences. I think that's an important preface for what you're gonna hear because we kind of get right into the nitty-gritty of a lot. And that's because we've been talking about so much of this, our um Alex and and I for so long. And you're gonna you're gonna be able to flow right with us, but understanding what the Feldenkrais Christ method is is very important. That's my relatively short version of it. Go do your research, take some classes, get some hands-on lessons. At the very least, you're going to feel better, which is a big deal. You're going to be at ease more than you potentially already are. Okay. That's it. Enjoy, Alex. Thank you. All right. Um, actually, believe it or not, what was on my mind was... Because of probably constantly clearing out the fridge and um, doing so much composting, it seems like constantly there's composting happening. One of the little um earworms that you've left with me is the uh suggestion that we're overly concerned about Fungus and food going bad. Do you remember when you suggested this to me a couple of years ago when you visited? You know, we we get a little too worried about food going bad and all this. You just stuff.
0: scrape off the mold. Just
1: <laughs> yes, that's what you told me then, and that's what you're still saying. So that's that's still the case. Just scrape off the mold. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, my partner takes it a little bit too far. There'll be like food that's like definitely rotten and like you should you should eat this or get rid of it and he's like no it'll be fine you just <laughs> scrape off the bad part but yeah i i think you do
1: and that tends to work
0: yeah
1: okay you're, are you at the point where you're dumpster diving is that part of the, the
0: i've game never here? been i've never been dumpster diving i would like to um but i also
1: i technically have technically well i yeah i was like i it was like an anthropological experiment. No, I, did, I was doing some research, <laughs> doing some research way back when on the the hippies in Virginia, the Appalachian hippie scene. Now, when I when we lived in Floyd on that commune, um, which funny enough was on my mm-hmm. mind this morning, maybe that was because I knew I was going to be, or was hoping I was going to be talking to you. Yeah, we went dumpster diving quite a bit. Actually, they were pros. They were. They were professional dumpster divers, the people.
0: But that why that. Why do you say you've done it technically? I was like,
1: I didn't know we were even going to go do that. I was just part of, it was part of this trip. We were getting, I think we were getting bark for a wigwam. I think it was a wigwam. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that was just something that ended up happening on the way back to the, the commune. Oh, yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. I think there's a lot of food that goes to waste. Well, and and a lot of stuff gets thrown out be just for like business purposes. Like I know bookstores Random dates. Well, like bookstores would throw out books and and rip off the covers just so no one could take them. And I had a buddy who worked at the library and it was like, dude, like go get the books and take them to the library to like or well so he worked at the the library at the jail. It was like take the books and give them to people. But like they they like slash stuff just so that you can't take it and sell it or use it or whatever.
1: You don't eat the books, do you?
0: <laughs> no.
1: If there was fungus on the books would you eat? It?
0: I never I mean, asked. If,
1: <laughs> no, go on.
0: If if there was like, you know, a good puffball mushroom growing from the book, sure. I don't think puffballs grow there.
1: I was wondering, would they grow on... What, well, I don't know what enough about kind, mushrooms. I don't know what tree normally is used, or are there multiple kinds of trees to make normal paper, if there is even normal paper at this point.
0: I don't know anything about making paper other than trees. The only and thing, we did it once in kindergarten.
1: Yeah, I think I remember that. It wasn't necessarily kindergarten. We didn't go to kindergarten together. Um, <laughs> I know... In Niger, where I was with the Peace Corps, they collect cow, not cow, um, elephant, the bigger ones, elephant dung and make paper with that because it's essentially Mm. just really digested grass and it's just wet and slimy grass in a grapefruit form. It looks like a big grapefruit Mm. or normal sized grapefruit, I guess. Fascinating, I know. I should have sent you this video beforehand. Um, there's this guy Ethan Hughes. I've I've wanted to mention this to you before that you are you remind me a lot of him, and that's a compliment. You're one of the few people that I think really lives that I know who I think strives to live like him. Um, a friend of mine way back 2009, when I started to really open up to the To that path, which still largely is the path I'm on today, but especially that path of like alternative living and intentional living, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Actually, I interviewed him just a couple of weeks ago. His name is Ram Krishnan Singh these days, and he lives in Santa Fe. I used to know him as Joshua Duncan, but he introduced me to Ethan virtually way back then, and Ethan opened this. Place up with his, I believe, wife and some other people um, in Missouri called the Possibility Alliance. I've never talked to you about this, right? You, I think you okay, have. I think I have too. I got to send you this recent video I saw because um, he's going to be doing something with Ram in the coming weeks, and he talks about in this video the seven S's, and it really got me thinking about you <clears throat> and how you, I believe, live, which one of the key S's is simplicity. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have all seven of them memorized, but one of them is simplicity. I think you are one of the few people who not only strives to live simply, but seems to actually mostly do it well. Would you agree?
0: Hmm. That's quite a compliment. Um, <laughs> I know. I'd, I'd like to think so. And I, I think in a lot of ways it's out of necessity. Like that I'm really we um, didn't you didn't
1: used to though necessarily right? don't you think it's partly choice
0: It's right. definitely partly choice um but but what I was gonna get at is that I think um I'm really adamant about. My values, I guess. And um, in order to live the way that I want to live and to be able to do the things that I want to do. There's a lot of other stuff that I have to let go of, I think.
1: Why don't you give me a few examples? I don't want to assume. The main ones that come to mind.
0: Well, so for example, just I've moved around a lot. And to be able to move around a lot, think like you have to have less stuff. Or I've lived in small places or shared spaces or um, or just I get overwhelmed easily. And so, like, having a lot of stuff or having a lot of things to do or a lot of things to take care of or worry about, like, I just get overwhelmed and I can't do it. And I want to be able to focus on the stuff that's important to me.
1: Okay. Keep going there. So I've known you for over five years now, as we said just the other day, which yeah. seemed like you wow. were tickled by. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say we've been friends now for over five years because we quickly hit it off. Yeah. Um, and I do think of you for better or worse as a, almost a sister in many ways. And that's all my way of saying that I think I know you a little bit. And not com- not of course as well as some people and not as well as you hopefully, but you were for the- a good chunk of these five years I've known you schlepping back and forth from Pawnee to New York City. And yes, I will. Pawnee
0: would being Muncie. I
1: probably will do that a few times. <laughs> and yeah, we'll get back to that. Don't worry. Um <laughs> So you've been, uh, yes, by necessity, needing to keep life simple because you were in school, literally traveling, as I know, regularly from there to there, which is a big thing to do for four years. And since then, though, you're still doing it. But I think there is, my perception is it's mostly on purpose as opposed to necessity. But Obviously, that's just my perception. But I would like to also add that when you say overwhelmed, it doesn't look like that. It looks like what I would echo again with that simplicity. You're discerning. I don't get the impression you want lots Mm. of things or want to be having a lot to do or want to be... um, caught up in the hubbubaloo of modern life
0: that's that's definitely true um
1: it looks like you've been finding your own balances i guess the better the more affirmative way of saying it and of course yeah and And,
0: uh, i'm I'm flattered that it that it looks like that on the outside because my experience I had someone else recently tell me that um, they appreciated my grace and poise or something like that. and um,
1: I would echo that
0: that's that's often not my experience. Um, <laughs> and I don't know how much of that is just <laughs> me, like holding things together on the outside or how much of it is just me not giving myself credit, but, um,
1: probably both. And speaking about probably. what I admit or what I kind of opened with when we were <clears throat> just talking a moment ago, like why I wear these stupid glasses? Um, cause I, I, my sense of self sometimes is that I'm excessively rigid and, uh, controlling, especially with respect to time more and more. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's necessarily how people see me. So yeah, there's definitely a, a need for that reflection. And um, that is what you put off that you're, there is a, a perception of grace, which is quite legitimate. And again, back to what we were discussing with your year, and I won't get we won't get into that one thing necessarily. But you're you're learning things and and particularly skills that you're teaching, which again, it looks like you really want to be teaching and are excited about learning and energized about learning. I think that's a big part of it. Like this, you come across as a person who's just, for the most part, of course, the learning never stops, which that's a preface to our Feldenkrais um, chapter here. But the learn you look like you have really come in, come into your own as far as understanding what you want to be uh, exploring deliberately.
0: Hmm. Thanks. Yeah, I like to think I I get a little bit closer um, each each iteration. It's definitely an iterative process, and um, I think it's something that changes throughout the course of our lives. Like, I don't think there's a somewhere to get to a mountaintop to stand on top of and be like, I'm, I'm here. Um, but yeah, I think there's this year has been a lot of clarity and, and certainly, um, yeah, I think learning is my, uh, my one great love in life.
1: And what a year for it. Yeah. Inevitably, you'd have to learn this year. It seems to be the case. That's what one of the things that binds us all you you have to learn. Okay, so you deliberately went to North Carolina this year. Let's just get into that. Yeah, For a very big learning experience, right?
0: yeah. and and maybe I can even give more more backstory about my year because I think what you're talking about with simplicity and and learning in general, um, it's, it's been a hell of a year. Um,
1: (laughs) please, yeah, give back.
0: Yeah. So, so I was engaged to be married until February of this year and that fell apart. And, um, I packed up all my stuff into a storage unit and, um, went to lead a backpacking trip for high schoolers, um, for three weeks um so again again with the with this again with the simplicity idea um it was like like all of my stuff was in storage for three months at least and i when i came out of the woods um this was in march i was in the smoky mountains and i came out and the pandemic had hit and and literally people were like, why don't you just go back to the woods? Like we had been quarantined for three weeks. We had everything we needed. Um, Like I'd been living out of a backpack for three weeks. And so it was like, you know, I had a suitcase or whatever at my parents' house. I had a little bit more stuff, but. um,
1: I vaguely remember this because we spoke around then maybe after your trip, but you, so March 13th was the Friday when, I think most of the most of us in this country started to realize this is happening something's happening but you were not one of those you were one of the few people who we joke about like wow what if you just had no connection yeah to the news it or was, media you were one of those people
0: right I it was very surreal um we we had our phones we didn't have much service but I think once we started so when we got our resupply we had outside contact and we also ran into a a a friend of ours that um hikes down there and he had a a radio but so we we started hearing rumors of like you know they're canceling big sporting events and that kind of stuff um and I think the um The elections were around then too. So we were kind of tuning into news for that as well, just like checking headlines every few days when we had an opportunity to turn on our phones. But um, yeah, we didn't. I remember when we were on our way home, they have a tradition of getting going out to a, a certain restaurant at night when we get back and, um, I called the restaurant and was like, Hey, are you still open? And they're like, we're open for carryout. And I'm like, not, not dine in. And they were like, no, like everything's closed. <laughs> but I, I just didn't know. Um, and the kids, the sophomores on the trip, like we didn't tell them anything. Wow. Um, like school was canceled. They weren't going back to school when we got back and they didn't know this until they yeah, got on the bus was- to go home.
1: That was the main variable for, I think, most of us. Like, oh, the schools are closing as of today yeah, for at least a couple of weeks. That's a big deal.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: <laughs> so uh, when did you, yeah, go on. I'm going to let you well, keep giving your backstory. Well,
0: yeah. okay. Yeah. So so I got out of the woods and I figured out, okay, what am I going to do next? And actually, so I had planned to go to this program at the Eco Institute um, the Eco-Institute at Picard's Mountain, the program is called The Rising Earth Immersion. And it was going to be in April. So I figured, perfect. Like, I, you know, I didn't, and I I had just signed up for this program because of the breakup. I had a friend who used to work at the Eco-Institute and um, he heard about this program and that they were looking for people. And he said, hey, if your life is suddenly wide open, there's this thing you could look into it might be cool um it looks like the internet's cutting out give it a minute did you i did you hear that yep i've heard everything okay. yeah okay Thanks. um so i was like perfect i felt like i had kind of lost my way a little bit and lost that part of myself that likes to live in intentional community and live on the land and live simply um, yeah. So I signed up for that and it ended up and that was going to be my plan was I was going to spend three weeks in the woods and then like a week at home in my par- at my parents' house before I went to North Carolina to the Eco Institute for this program. And um, because of the pandemic, the program got moved to later in the summer and um, it was actually pretty great. I mean, I, I didn't have a job to worry about. I didn't have like rent to worry about paying. I just did a bunch of Feldenkrais trainings online. <laughs> um, and, and therapy <laughs> and, um,
1: like therapy therapy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like psychotherapy. Um, cause CBT. you know, a lot had happened and I had time to dig into all of it. Um, I don't know exactly.
1: Yeah. It doesn't matter.
0: Um, Psycho, you
1: said psychotherapy. Yeah. Okay.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Obviously, I want to know more about what did you call rising?
0: It's called the rising earth immersion.
1: Rising earth immersion. And you were there for five weeks, right?
0: I was there for five weeks. So it's a program for folks in their 20s, um, or maybe I think it's 18 to 28, something like that, um, who are change makers, social and environmental change, work change makers want to make a difference in the world. Um, and to study permaculture and living in community. And um, we did some arts activism stuff with a group called paper hand puppet intervention. Um, they do a lot of stuff. They do a lot of like climate activism stuff, like, marches and parades and performances um so how like you can make a difference with art use that as a medium um and and it was a lot of it was very experiential of like just the process of living together in community and especially during covid times like there was a whole other layer of how do we navigate consent and and boundaries and being together um, and creating a space in which everyone feels safe um, so it was a lot of consensus process stuff and logistics meetings which I have really grown to love and um, yeah working together sharing gratitude learning how to communicate about boundaries and needs and how to care for ourselves like how to Um, say, Hey, like I, I can't today. I'm not feeling well. I need, I need the day off, Mm -hmm. Um, which is a, a big thing to do. That's something that I've been, that that's been on my mind a lot um, since that experience of like how much of a difference it makes when I say, Hey, I, I can't today. um, And someone says, thank you for taking care of yourself. Or like, thank you for advocating your, yourself. Thank you for asking for what you need. Um, cause so often that kind of stuff feels like a burden or like you're being flaky or you're letting someone down. Um, but the truth is you can't, like it just, it doesn't work if, if we don't say what we need and take care of ourselves, like my partner and I were having a conversation yesterday or something. And, um, I don't know if we were irritable or if I said something or whatever, but, um, I said, Hey, can you, can you continue to, to set boundaries and, and tell me if I piss you off or if I say something or, or, um, like ask for what you need, because I can't, right? Like we're all, we want to be in caring relationships with each other, whether it's a romantic relationship or any kind of relationship. And I can't know what you need, or if I said something that offended you or triggered you or whatever. And if you say like, Hey, that's a pet peeve of mine, or like that pushes my buttons in a certain way. Like, I'm more than happy to be like, cool. Like, thank you. Like, I'm glad to know that. Cause that helps me be able to care for you better. Um, so that's been a big, a big theme lately, I think.
1: I was waiting to make sure you were pausing. <clears throat> so there's so much in that, obviously. I hear the, the, the kernels of Feldenkrais and obviously not forcing yourself and not imposing have tos and shoulds, etc. Mm-hmm. There's a broader narrative that I'm picking up on though, which is the, the very shift in how you fundamentally relate to yourself. Um, not in any kind of like wishy washy way, but is literally a, a part of a whole and not to to be able to make a choice to not force yourself. Some could hear that. I think as like a, a bit privileged or disconnected or almost like, um, cut off from the,
0: well, and Rogers. it is privileged.
1: Well, well no, I don't I mean say that. And I, yeah, and I don't mean in a bad way,
0: right? I, but I, I want to acknowledge. <laughs> I think that's okay. a, an important thing to acknowledge that you have to have your basic needs met.
1: Thank you. Okay. In order,
0: good. In order to be able to do that, and and it sucks that some people can't.
1: Okay, but even without that, imp, that implicit sort of disclaimer. Yeah. You're also acknowledging an, in a subtle need to eventually make the choice to prioritize yourself no matter what. And, but you're, you're highlighting ways that we don't normally think of doing that. Taking responsibility, it's not just about, you know, your needs being met, it's about obviously slowing down, um, not consuming and not relate, or at least not relating to consumption in a perhaps normal way. seems very, very, I'm hearing that loud and clear. I guess the, 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 there's a subtlety to what I'm hearing you describe, which I don't think of as something that a quote, you have to be quote unquote privileged to, to see, you just have to be willing to slow down and, um, of course, that implies, again, your basic needs are met. You're not in some sort of fight or flight sympathetic mode where your you're liter- your life is literally on the line. I guess, again, without that implicit disclaimer, if most of us aren't in that scenario or enough of us aren't in that scenario, what you're highlighting to me is the the value of... Uh, I guess it's hmm, there's no obvious simple way to put it, but choosing to organize your every every part of your life. Well, that's it. Just choosing to organize your whole life, as opposed to like there's no like again back to what you were saying about uh by ne- out of necessity, and I pushed back and said well, I don't know. It looks like you're doing it on purpose. That's kind of the key theme here. You you can people can do what you're describing. It's possible, especially, and most people we that I think we know do have their enough of their needs met. Like I don't, I'm not really imagining the people who are, of course, um, not able to fundamentally and foundationally take care of themselves and who do need support and um, to be uh, helped. Like there are obviously that that is a real scenario. Of course, I don't think that's current. Audience in this exact context, so you're highlighting the need or the value of choosing deliberate and being deliberate about basically everything,
0: yeah, and i I guess where where it feels like a need is that going back to feldenkrais um, once you learn to sense yourself, like it feels really shitty <laughs> to to not um, to not have what I need or to, to, to violate myself in certain ways. Like it feels really bad if I'm exhausted to keep pushing through. Um, and where was I going to go with this? So, so I've got an example. So, so recently I've been, I've been burnt out and tired and, um, and last week, I had to say no to some things. And I really, I started thinking about, like... this. Yes.
1: you did it with this.
0: Right, exactly. Um, and so I was, I was thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm, like, either I can continue to be bitter and resentful and exhausted and, you know, get sick or, like, run myself into the ground... And say that that's in service to other people. Like, oh, well, I have to do these things. Like, I said yes to these commitments, so I can't back out. And then show up and be bitter and resentful and take it out on other people. Or I can say, hey, I'm not feeling well. I need to rest or I need to recalibrate. I need to prioritize my values and decide what's really important. And then be able to show up in a way where not only am I not taking things out on other people, but, like, I'm I'm able to contribute in a positive way. Um, yeah, go ahead. So,
1: again, implicit that, the, just to reiterate that disclaimer, we're largely not speaking to people who, quote, unquote, don't have their basic needs met and who are in a more kind of fight-or-flight mode out of a different kind of necessity, because it's a subtle, it's almost a, di- it's a different paradigm. I don't usually like that word, but we're describing a different paradigm for how to um, obviously relate to yourself. And <clears throat> I like it. I obviously want to keep going down this path. <clears throat> Why do you think, I, I don't want to say most people, but it seems like that's the only really Accurate, simple, a way lot to of say, people, a lot of people <laughs> would be why do you think a lot of people force themselves? And obviously, not necessarily knowing that they're doing it, but you're highlighting examples of how people do it consistently. At least, that's all
0: right. So, so to really answer this question, I've been reading this book lately called Sacred Economics by Charles Eisenstein
1: he was on my list for us of course
0: <laughs> and and one of the things that he talks about is how our money system was created um and he gives a he gives a simple um, parable of that that there's a, a traditional market and people are running around trading things and they're having to like you know carry their chickens around to trade them with other people and it's a huge handful and so this man a, a banker comes in and says hey um, I'll. I'll cut, you know, I'll, I'll cut these rounds of leather and I'll give each of you 10 of them and then you can use them to trade. Um, But the deal is that next week when I come back, you have to have 11 for me. So you have to give me back the ones that I gave you and have one more. And so our economy is, is based in debt like there is not enough money in the world to pay all of the debt that exists in the world so even if our basic needs are met in the sense of we have food we have water we have shelter we have community um there's still there's still a, a bank hovering over our heads saying you have to pay back that money or else whatever i'll I'll take whatever whatever the collateral is and so it necessitates this growth economy where we're always having to grow we're always having to produce more and that necessitates the the pillaging of natural resources or
1: May, yeah so what it okay take i would think it's good to take that one step at a time because you literally are outlining the normal way of thinking right that you that more is necessary no matter what
0: yes and it's it's not even a mindset i think i think in in these kind of hippie or alternative circles it's it's easy to to have this attitude of like oh you just have to get out of the scarcity mindset and adopt this mindset of abundance but it's a literal fact Of the way our system is, it's not a fact of reality, but it's a fact of our our social contracts.
1: Doesn't that reinforce and kind of have a sort of feedback loop, two way mindset though?
0: Absolutely, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, don't don't want
1: me in with those hippies, you. (laughs) Don't, (laughs) Don't project that crap here. None of that. So there's a feedback loop that does relate to... Let's just call it a way of think. Can I call it a way of thinking? Or would it be a way of relating, maybe better to say? Way of relating
0: Well, it's a system. It's the way our systems are created. Yes. And those systems have practical components. But even
1: to suggest that there's a system that... <clears throat> like there are options for other systems is so normally challenging to people. You immediately get this sort of enemy mindset like right wrong this is the system every other system is wrong how could you possibly think any other system is wrong i mean they're very we i could probably list on one hand the public figures and and maybe two hands the people we know who are recognizing that i mean charles seth russell brand david suzuki you um it's not a long list who recognize like it the system itself so to speak is a literal design and it could be changed not the normal tendency i think is like to immediately go to well the only other option is some kind of uh various form of quote unquote socialism which is such a frustrating trap door of the of the system to think the only other option is incredibly worse and destructive and and nihilistic and useless you have to just keep going with this one you're pointing out that that's not inherently true and we need to be able to recognize that just seeing it as a system and we don't have to have the other we don't have to have it quote unquote figured out what the alternative is but at least just acknowledging that it's a system and it perpetuates a i'm calling a feedback loop of uh, um uh, yeah a way of thinking that's what you're just Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's it's scary to be able to like that involves a huge amount of uncertainty to say maybe the world could be different cuz so much of what and I think that's another reason that I feel that necessity for simplicity is because if I've been living out of a backpack for 3 weeks and I come out of the woods and there's a pandemic everywhere and everything's closing down for me it was like So like, like people are dying and that's a problem. But like, I wasn't worried about my basic needs. I was like, I've got a tent. I've got my sleeping bag. Like I've got shelter. I've got a water filter. You know, I'll have to figure out something about food, but.
1: I think what it highlights since I was listening to a very relevant conversation recently where I was really taken, it was the key problem with the conversation was this particular Guest who's pretty, pretty influential, continues to frame everything as if capitalism, so to speak, which is kind of what we're talking about, is best because everything else sucks. And to continue to only frame it in that either or comparison model is so, I mean, to us, not necessary. But the I think it's really critical to under, try to understand why, do some, why would somebody do that? because it is a very consistent tendency. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks to a way of thinking, which again is that there's um, inevitable chaos or anarchy if we don't stay in control and we don't stay on top of it all and we don't make sure that it all happens a certain way and keep it going a certain way and maintain a concept of order Mm -hmm. over order over and up and imposed upon it's we've we've
0: we've never seen an example of that like how why would we believe that that exists when we've never seen that and that hasn't been our experience
1: but i don't think it's true that we haven't you're in a you strike me as that's what i was complimenting you about it's your way of life is intended to, think, be an example of that. And this gentleman, Ethan, I mentioned. and I think it's, lazy. it's inherently very lazy to, and very defensive to suggest that there's nothing else. And it has to be this way where we're in control. And it speaks to how you relate to yourself as a human, where you've got to make yourself do. You have to make it happen. You have to force it.
0: Well, yeah, I don't, I don't want to attack other people's ideas. I'd rather talk about what we can build. But, but yes, I think if, right, especially if we're talking about in a, a gig economy, like I spent a lot of, I've spent a lot of my life as a freelance musician. And it's this thing of like, if I don't answer the phone right when you call, you're going to call somebody else and find someone else for the job or if i say no next time you're going to think of somebody else first so i always want to be there i always want to say yes i always want to do more and i think that's built into it's built into our jobs it's built into you know that that we're replaceable and that we always have to be like that money is the bottom line and that the way our money system is created it has values that are that are different than what we might like to value for for ourselves, for our life, for the life of our our planet, and other beings, and each other.
1: I've identified three. <clears throat> um, I will call them themes, or or relationships, or agreements. Where there's all kinds of ways we could label them, but they're mm-hmm. connectivity, continuity, and creativity. And creativity, what you just kind of hit at, I think. Wait, we, say,
0: say that again, slower. Continuity. Uh,
1: connectivity. Okay. Connectivity. Connectivity. Continuity and creativity. creativity. It just happened that three C's worked out. It wasn't intended. The <laughs> <a, a> nice <laughs> mnemonic device. But, and, and by no means is it worthwhile to attack. I, of course. I think po- pointing out a distinction is all that I w- was trying to do. Mm. And I think it, it's sometimes important because I don't want to sound, I don't, if there is anybody listening, I certainly want them to be able to relate. And sometimes those distinctions, I think matter, Mm -hmm. Um, especially because unfortunately, a lot of people, I don't think know Charles Eisenstein yet and haven't um, read that great book, but I want to come back to him, but I'm actually going to be talking to somebody else. who's. I mentioned my friends literally studying with him. I'm going to be talking to him uh, later this week, but Anyway, I'm getting to this point about creativity. So I think what you're highlighting is the is a key distinction about motivation and um, the why. Like, of course, you're highlighting a way of creating that is rooted in pure... There's a certain purity to it. You could call it desire or simply just fluidity or flow. It's simply pure expression alternatively you mentioned a one context is I need to be putting it out there to to stay relevant to, to stay on top of it and to make sure that I got all my boxes checked off and you know most importantly to be able to pay the bills there's a hijacking of your why as a result of that
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: would I would say it's I don't think the word impure is wrong it's simply just it may just be accurate. And I'm not sure that we often recognize the possibility of like the human animal could be motivated to create and improve and innovate and, and explore and discover and make the world better from that place, which is quote unquote pure, not always in response to in reaction to or having to it's
0: possible. Yeah, we, you have to you have to create the conditions for that. It's the same as in Feldenkrais. You have to create the conditions for learning. If you're gonna foster creativity, you need a a safe space and a space that values and rewards those kind of attributes. And I certainly don't blame anyone for not, um, you know, like for for going along with the system. Like it's hard and there's so many there's there are so many systems in place to keep us going along with the way things are and to keep the status quo alive that it's you know like when i was younger i i used to get frustrated with people for not um being more resistant to things or questioning things or or going outside the box um and in my twenties, like figuring out how to actually live that way, like it's it's fucking hard. And sometimes it really it doesn't work. Like the pieces don't all add up.
1: I don't know if they can. I think there is a plateau, or uh, a. I think I think there is a a max you can go within this context. Um, I know I explored it in my twenties and found that the. There's an inevitable, I believe, um, but again, people like you and this gentleman, Ethan, I keep referencing, give me pause to wonder if I just, if how, how right is it for me to think that there's a, a limit? Um, I think inevitably though, even he kind of confirms what I'm speaking to, which is it, essentially you can only go so far until the enough of the whole shifts. So if yeah. this "quote unquote" mm-hmm. system is a is a blanket term we're using for the norm, if you will, um, mm-hmm. the the predominant narrative, whether intent, whether conscious or unconscious, whether intended, whether being, in re- whether people are relating to it intentionally or not, it's the dominant narrative and and um, sort of story. For it, for it to not, that has to change in order for that limit to shift Mm -hmm. i mean just the pure and simple fact that you're going to inevitably have to figure out how to pay taxes not to name something so kind of boring but you can't escape that so the whole model is is designed with this um story that humans are inherently needing to be that the human it's basically a, a condemnation of human nature is something that will inevitably (laughs) <laughs> um lead us astray and off the the good path and I, I in a way i know that's not exactly what you're saying but i think it is the an important piece to get into it's not a critique of specific people it's a critique of the the foundations for this quote-unquote system which i think suggest and maybe this is where we get into what feldenkrais is all about i think the the system inherently suggests that humans are um In need of being controlled by our, and that our, if we're left to our own devices, we're, we're monsters and uh, we're going to just do bad.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now, as a, someone who spends a lot of time with kids, I suspect you certainly don't agree with that. (laughs) And as a father, I don't agree with that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I certainly don't agree with that. And I think, I remember when I started doing Feldenkrais, it was definitely something I was very afraid of and and um it took a lot of experience like like personal firsthand experience doing Feldenkrais lessons to to even learn to trust myself yeah I think that was a that was a huge thing because I did have this um I grew up with uh a huge level of grit and willpower and i was used to kind of muscling my way through everything and it worked like it worked well for a lot of things that i did i was pretty successful at school and at music um, but man did it wear me out I'm and then go for it when i started doing feldenkrais just that idea that um that we have an intelligent nervous system, like our uh, so our teacher David Zemak berson he'll he says this all the time that you haven't an, and it's probably from Moshe Feldenkrais, but um we have such intelligent nervous systems, and they're wired for efficiency, they're wired to protect us, and they're wired for learning and growth. um and we just have to create the the constraints the the or the um the environment to to be able to explore and to be able to learn and have that safety um but it took a lot of doing lessons to let go of that idea that I like constantly had to be on the watch to like suppress my own behavior but I think that's a that's a core tenant of mine that I really hold true to is that that people are inherently good and that they're doing the best that they can. Um, and I think it's a functional belief. I know Brene Brown talks about that. Um, and also Moshe Feldenkrais that, um, if nothing else, like it, it's a functional way of relating to the world to believe that other people are doing the best that they can. Um, And that if they're not doing something well, it's because they can't, or they don't know how, or they don't have the resources or whatever it is. Um, And you can, you can check out Brene Brown for more about that. But um, where was I going with this?
1: (laughs) Well, we're going, well, let's go back and forth because this is, this is wonderful. It's beautiful stuff. Thank you for bringing all that up, the specifics. Um, I'll probably define Feldenkrais in the intro for those of, for the people who do actually listen to so that. It didn't come, we didn't come this far into the conversation without at least some sort of context. But um, I think the, a really helpful tool for me is that I've really honed in on this year is. Um, keeping an eye on absolutes and and absolutism being something that I really like. Oh, look, there's that. There's that absoluting again, mm-hmm. which is ah uh, almost synonymous with excess. And you and I both deeply love somatic education and the Feldenkrais method in particular, and the the ways that it's helped us. Um, and I've often wondered, so what if you take some of the ideas not necessarily the intended effect but some of the ideas like of allowing and you you push that to its extreme uh, or or become absolutist about just allowing things i think you can imagine pretty quickly humanity would cease to exist we have to have some Will and some impetus to to do. I don't mean that in any kind of um, wishy washy way. Just the desire to keep the the human race going implies that we're not just. To me, the, the the translation of allowing would basically be doing nothing, which is clearly not the the point. I'm I'm just letting that. I'm putting that out there as a potential um, disclaimer for any confusion. Like to just allow would be absurd you have to do things the question is why do you do them
0: well and and I think it's inherent like like in Feldenkrais we talk about like movement releases I think it's dopamine so that it's (laughs) inherently pleasurable so that we're inherently motivated to want to do things yes and and if not that we're also motivated towards survival so, right, this idea of allowing is not turning into jello and yeah. just being mush on the floor and letting people walk all over us. But I also don't think... Thank you
1: for putting it in such clear terms. Exactly. <laughs> I, know, I know you're not thinking that, and I know that we, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not the point of the method. I'm, I'm using that as a, a foundation for getting to, I guess, the, the point about why function, because function is inherently, there's an inherent goodness to being functional and okay so it's i think what we're describing is the like if we're highlighting a problem to me what it sounds like is the <clears throat> the problem of our stories about how to be human and The particular story about how, like, as humans, human nature is, our stories about human nature are, uh, I think we're hitting on how they're inherently kind of limiting, a little fear-based. And I liked how you use that word trust. We we don't actually trust ourselves. That's incredibly significant. We don't trust ourselves if left to our own devices. We have imposed upon ourselves, not just because of the system, we've imposed upon ourselves controls Mm -hmm. that seem to keep the um, limiting tendencies alive. And you're referring, mm-hmm. so Feldenkrais and tool- tools like that, You you seemed, you said you went on this journey of basically not trusting yourself to now more trusting. You're being more trusting of yourself because of, and that's why I brought up allowing, allowing yourself to go through the process of, Uh, kind of almost resetting your nervous system is kind of what I heard you saying. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but a little bit of like a reset for your nervous system, like not continuing to feed these tendencies, like you said, neuroplasticity, not feeding them allowed for them to calm down. And then you've been developing other ones. And that is a necessary process. And even Brene Brown, as you just brought up, is echoing how that's a necessary process. Um, I don't think that even ne- it's not even necessary to call it functional. It just turns out that it is. But to say that implies that what's happening normally isn't functional. But that doesn't inherently make sense because a lot of people would say that the, that it, it is. I think it's a different way of functioning is the real point.
0: Hmm. Yeah, you you said a lot there. So I'm, I'm just... Well,
1: we both have been. It's exciting.
0: <laughs> well, and that, you,
1: back to con- connectivity, continuity and creativity. Like the continuity and connectivity. I guess the the implication of, for those two is that the way of functioning is in relation to a certain understanding about how you you can trust yourself because there's an inherent goodness as you said to the whole and you're connected to the whole Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: continuity there's an inherent process you're part of it's not get to this stage or else it's live
0: yeah they
1: they, that is different from quote-unquote functioning being functional in our system.
0: Yeah. So something I've been thinking about a lot lately is this idea of interdependence, um, which I think like until this year was something that, you know, I'd heard the word, but didn't actually know what it meant. Um, And it's this idea that like, we, we work together, we need each other and that's not a one way thing. And that's not a a limiting thing. Um, There's a, I wanna say it's an African proverb, but i I couldn't say off the top of my head um that if you wanna go fast, go alone, but if you wanna go far, go together um, but so anyway it's it's one of these things I've really been thinking a lot about lately, so for example my my partner and I just moved in together, and so that's been something I've been navigating recently and, and this idea of interdependence is that, um, you know, maybe I need his help with a project around the house Um, or let's see, I'm not sure where I'm going with this example, but um, hmm. that, that we rely on each other. And if, if I'm to believe that I have something to something valuable to offer the world or to offer a specific relationship or situation or at work, I need to be able to function at my best. And, and so me saying like, Hey, like I can't spend time with you right now, or I need space. That's not, and I guess I'm thinking about my, my relationship at home is that that's not me saying I'm mad at you or you did anything wrong, or I don't like you. That's me saying that in order for me to be fully present in this relationship, I need to take care of myself first. Um, I also want to bring up a couple, a couple ideas. There's a book by Adrian Marie Brown called pleasure activism. Um, and she talks a lot about, uh, Audrey Lord and maybe Octavia Butler. Um, but it's this idea that, um, and she's, she's especially coming from the perspective of a black woman and that um, that for us to claim that for ourselves of like, it is my birthright to feel good. Like that's huge. Um that's a huge thing, because especially for people who are oppressed or marginalized in one way or another to stand up and say, like, no, like i not only do i like I don't have to hustle i I don't, and that's a brene Brown idea too. like I do not have to spend my entire life hustling to prove my worthiness to someone else like I can just be worthy w- without without anyone else's approval like that's not dependent on yeah <laughs> that's not dependent on someone else to give me that like I can just claim that go ahead you sure yeah
1: no, you keep keep going. You keep going. You're, you're unpacking a few things at once. I should just wait. Right. Well,
0: I think that was, that was the most of what I had at the moment. Where, did you want to, were there specific things in there you'd like me to unpack more? Hell yeah. (laughs) Cool.
1: (laughs) I I think what we're, I I just, I think it might've just clicked in a sense. Um, We're talking about relationships primarily, but not just the normal sense of relationship like you like like Ari and me or griffin and me or um well anybody any other human and me there's the relationship with myself there's a relationship of course with you generally speaking others there's also the relationship with the whole um wh whole, and you have to think about the whole a certain way just to understand your relationship with it and i think i'm probably normally talking about that relationship with either self and or whole. And you were just describing something about relationship with others. I just, it just really kind of clicked on me how to connect them, which is why would you even think of, why would that even exist, that tendency to want to prove something to someone else and thinking you had to prove something to someone else we're, we're not in the survival context we're not worried about as we've acknowledged getting our basic quote-unquote needs met it's and the, the primary motion uh, motivation is to connect and to experience life and to probably co-create but hang on well you want to say?
0: <laughs> I just, I just want to say that I, I, don't know that those are inherently different things.
1: They're not. They're not. They're, the, they're the, not
0: the survival needs.
1: Oh no, they're probably not. But um, I think the difference is how you. I always think the difference is how you think and how you um, perceive what's going on. And what I'm hitting on, to me, what matter, what what is important to understand in terms of like under, like being able to see more possibilities and to see a different way, quote unquote, a different system, if you will, or a way that's not normal, all these ways that we've referred to it, is uh, I think it's good to understand how we got here and the foundation. And there was, we we know that this thing called Western civilization isn't the only way humans have related to themselves and others in the whole and to have lived we know that we don't know exactly
0: colonialism
1: yes you could use that term although it's obviously very loaded i would even go more directly to the source which is stories specific religious stories certainly christian ones but not only christian ones but the stories which suggest that there's a problem with being human, and it mm-hmm. needs fixing. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, something bad will happen. Mm-hmm. and you'll be you'll be in trouble. <laughs> and you and better be on the lookout for that <laughs> bad thing. You better keep an eye on your Um, badness your the problem is always lurking within you or around the corner
0: right and and that's why Feldenkrais was so huge for me is because like that's great for you to say that to to say that that's not inherently the way things are but if that's been embedded in if that story has been embedded in everything you've done your entire life
1: It has, I think, for most people.
0: (laughs) Right, right. But there's no reason that anyone should believe you or me just because we said it. But the cool thing about Feldenkrais is that the awareness through movement lessons give you an opportunity to test it out in like a safe container where it's like you don't have to go home and change your whole life. Just stay here on the ground for an hour and try this out. Try, see what it's like To let yourself be and see, like, does the whole world explode? Like, do you inherently end up as a mess because you weren't vigilant about watching yourself and and directing yourself? Or do you find that by giving yourself that space and allowing yourself to explore and to play and to not know that you actually learn more? and are more functional as a result of that. And then you can, you can once you've done that a billion times, you can start to trust that idea. And then you can start to test it out in other areas of your life.
1: And I would specifically highlight you're more functional because that is actually a path, if you will, the one that you start to see more clearly, which has greater roots in what i would call reality which is Mm -hmm. to say everything's actually connected or as you said interdependent there is a constant and continuous proceeding and processing and flow of which you are part in many many ways and there is constant newness which you can contribute to in your own unique forms and self of self-expression and creativity that's inherently different, and I would call that functional
0: mm-hmm. i I want to invoke this idea of both and, which I know is, <laughs> is one of the things you thought of calling this podcast originally um, but I think it's easy to think of we have community, we have like a a community oriented society or an individualistic society, and right. that it's it's not one or the other, it's both and. Like, I have to be me in order to serve the community best. Because the other option is I pretend to be something that I'm not. I pretend to be, to be someone that I'm not. And I go through my life feeling horrible and, and constantly, you know, like being burnt out or, or being irritated or just like not being my best self. And then I'm resentful towards the community that I'm supposedly serving or I try to do it all by myself. And like, like it's not one or the other that I I need of to course. be fully in myself in order to be present. My boss was saying this the other day of, we were talking about schedule stuff for the upcoming semester. And I was worried about the commute and over committing. And she said, you know, people have such a tendency to, to want to be nice and to self-sacrifice. But if I show up at work every day and I'm resentful and bitter and burnt out, it doesn't do anybody any good. Whereas if I'm there because I want to be there, then everybody's going to be a whole lot happier.
1: Yes, both both and is like a safeguard for excess and absolutisms. I think it's yes. a safeguard in general because, and it, it's built into, of course, it's good that you, it's good to be explicit about it. It's almost implied with interdependence, you know, it's mm-hmm. both dependence and independence. It's implied with um, the, the an understanding of being an individual as that's part of a collective, not just identifying as a collective. You're, yeah, you're speaking to the need for both, both in terms of how you relate to yourself and all and how you identify in relationship to um, all because yeah, the easy critique of any kind of other (laughs) perspective is well, you immediately hear how that's going to be damaging to the individual or damaging to um, freedom. And I think the, both and qualification is is probably the most succinct way of explain of describing the whole point which is that it it's actually better and i'm using that word intentionally if you allow yourself to go down that path it actually is a better path and of course like you said people have to experience that that's something you have to find out for yourself but the catalyst for experience is, of course, diverse. Fortunately, there's a there are many varieties for how to catalyze experience. If people could, if we all just wanted or were willing to lie down and and surrender, so to speak, then <laughs> probably would be easier. <laughs> but catalyzing that willingness, uh, and of course, that's only one example of what could be catalyzed. But mm-hmm. and that's only one way of characterizing what happens in an ATM class yeah interdependence martin luther king jr is the first one that i know of who used that word in a very effective way He described the obvious point that everything is um interdependent from the the um ability to have clean water to the ability to plan your day a certain way as opposed to again having to be in a very convenient um sort of extreme sense only focused on survival the ability to thrive is inherently rooted in interdependence not independence
0: mm.
1: and it yeah i appreciate you bringing in the both the both and.
0: yeah
1: i'm looking at your eyes are we are we nearing that point
0: <laughs> yeah maybe what what other um what other kind of questions did you have that we didn't get to? Or, or are there, were there other things you wanted to bring? Let me look at my list. <laughs> <touched on? laughs>
1: didn't write one. Um, okay. I do. I do have one. could be a tough one to to end on, or at least to try to wrap up quickly with, but do you have a take? All right. There are two in case this one doesn't work out. Do you have a take on, what is your take? You have to have one (laughs) on what's going on on a um, national level, global level, primarily with respect to this? pandemic.
0: Oh, what a question. This is going to get into some stuff too. And I think um all right. So I'm just going to be honest about about how I feel. Is I feel like it's becoming more and more clear that the things we're doing aren't working. Cuz I think what's going on is we're, we're there's an ecological crisis. There's an economic crisis. There's a social crisis around around race, racial injustice and and other kinds of social inequities. Um,
1: By the way, the word "not" the phrase "not working" is synonymous with "not functional."
0: There we go. Yeah, it's and and now we have this pandemic on top of it. Um, and I think, so I have friends who are very into astrology. I, I'm i not concerned with whether that's something to believe in or not believe in, but just as a framework of, of looking at the world, it, it's a lot of systems are falling apart. I know... I know a lot of like personal relationships broke up in a big way around the time of the, the, the beginning of the pandemic. Like it seems like on a lot of different levels, all of these different intersections of our lives are, are coming together to say it's things are not working. Um, and my hope is that it provides an opportunity for us to first of all, look at it and say, Hey, things aren't working. What can we do differently? Like I'm really fortunate to be teaching forest school right now. Um, Cause I feel like this whole situation, like the fact that forest school works surprisingly well in a pandemic without having to really change too much says to me that, like, we're on the right track. Like, we're already outdoors. We're already doing things together in community. We're already learning through play. Um, but, yeah, I would hope that this provides an opportunity for us to say, hey, things aren't working. What can we do differently? And, and what I worry is that people keep waiting for things to go back to normal. And haven't noticed yet that normal doesn't work. Like normal was, it wasn't working before. We were just able to ignore it. I want to, can I, I want to read a poem. I want to share a poem. Give me just a sec.
1: I'll narrate.
0: So this is, this is a poem that our dear friend Brian Shercliffe wrote around the beginning of the pandemic. It's called Grief, because to return to old ways of life only leads to death. I grieve. I grieve the ill, the dead, those who care for them, for those who wish they did. I grieve for ones who have not yet awakened that this is a brand new day. But most of all, I grieve my life for what I missed in living long before the outbreak made us revisit mortality. How stupid could we be to forget? I grieve my old life, embarrassed by the clutchingness, the grabbiness, the overindulginess, all of it having so little to do with life. Something in me knew it was false, though I played right along. I mean, Gautama gave us the experiment to know it. Sit. Sit. Watch how each sensation comes, goes, nothing lasts. Yet how I ever wanted it to last. So little to do with life. I grieve. Tears do come for it, being lost and apart from what was. I grieve, which is to say I let my sail unfurl and take up a new wind, away from what was known, comfortable always. I set sail for someplace else inside me, a birth, to leave behind the old dance forms for a while—square, flamenco, ball, etc.—and free form it. No form it. Not to any old recorded music. Not to any live music either. But the rhythms in the air, the wind, the murmurs of neighbors, fellow creatures—the oldest music of time. To Joseph Campbell, it in the woods—a new verb. To read three chunks of the day and do whatever I want for the fourth allow the old patterns present in everything to announce themselves, how the hero's journey made foolish heroes of us all. So I can choose a fresh, untrod path, a true adventure, a sensation. Yes, it's time to take up my life again, to take up living, even when all around us is death. The ill, old structures, dependencies, and be washed in new waters, dreams, where inner sails can finally sleep.
1: You want to leave it there or do you want to elaborate? You want to add anything cool. to that?
0: Well, what what was the second question you had?
1: <laughs> that one was, that went well enough. The second, All
0: right.
1: the second one, I almost, it's not even really that important. That went well enough. I wasn't sure how you would, you know, go with the first one, if it would even,
0: interesting let's, let's
1: leave it at that yeah plus you know we mentioned time on our respect time um sun's still shining here so yeah. to go take advantage of that i i appreciate this uh you you look awake so i'm glad you're not tired from all of this
0: no, as we said um, it's invigorating this is what this is what makes me come alive these kind of conversations
1: yeah you know energizing is a word i've been using a lot as opposed to like something's exciting it's like it's energizing and Mm -hmm. there's a science to why this is energizing um Mm -hmm. and we need it we clearly need it it's a reason why this whole medium is so popular and basically like i was saying mainstream we need it So I'm glad you and I could unite to contribute in our way as we do so wonderfully privately and not as much as we used to, but bittersweet. Um, I'm glad we were able to share this. There's obviously so much more and kind of danced our way through most of it in my experience there, but happily so. I don't think there's anything more. I think ending with Brian's poem is pretty great. Thanks Brian for writing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Brian. And I, I really appreciate Colin that you think highly enough of me that you wanted to, to have this conversation. It was pretty cool.
1: Hell yeah. Yeah. I think the only other topic that we would explore more is the nuts and bolts of what you're teaching. And and we indirectly are touching on it with respect to again simplicity and why well, how does four school go hand in hand with simplicity and what and what you're doing with um showing children the well the ways of the world from a natural a naturalist if you will um but we probably probably would be on for a lot longer if we kept going with that
0: well, yeah, and I think it's it's still developing. It's still a work in progress of what I'm teaching and how and where and to whom and what that actually looks like in the concrete every day. But um, yeah, playing, learning how to be ourselves and be with each other. Okay. In the Video world,
1: playing that's a good place for us to leave it because I think no matter how you approach the, like if the desire is to impart to teach and to catalyze awareness and to catalyze a different perspective. um, I think the overlap for all of this, even this kind of conversation is play. I use that word all the time. And I, I sometimes think that there's got to be a better word, but really there isn't because it does capture kind of all the, all the little nooks and crannies, all the little nitty gritty details.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy to think play is silly or unimportant, but it's, it's serious business. Like that's how humans learn is well, through it's, play.
1: Yeah. And it's inherently organized. Like we, we project so many, mm-hmm. we project so much upon the idea of play as adults and, It's wrong. It's (laughs)
0: it's sophisticated beyond our understanding. And if we didn't play, we wouldn't have any new creative thoughts. We would just keep doing the same thing over and over again and repeating ourselves.
1: Play is how we allow for new, the new.
0: Mm -hmm. New growth. All right. That feels like a good place to leave it. bitching (laughs) okay thanks colin
1: thank you well i hope you liked that because alex loved it and she's already acknowledged wanting to come back so (laughs) we're already talking about when we're gonna do part two uh that was fun it was it, it was really enjoyable for both of us and obviously there's so much more to explore together and that's the that's the tone of this show that's again alex and i have known each other for a relatively long time and we know we really know each other in and out in a very very real raw way because the work that we're describing is so intimate inherently intimate you can't relate to yourself as needing to reset and you can't relate to others as wanting to reset with them without becoming uniquely intimate it's beautiful so if you're curious about anything alex specifically was saying uh, and i hope you are and specifically if you live near her near muncie i mean I was going to say Pawnee. I screwed it up. Near Pawnee, but really it's Michigan. Um, check out her website. I think that's the best way to reach her. Alex Tonigus. You can see this, but just to spell it out, T-O-E-N-N-I-G-E-S. To-N-I-G-U-S. Check her out. Check out what she's doing. I think you can work with her virtually, and I strongly recommend that you do. Uh, it'll be worth it. You can do this kind of work very easily, fortunately, with the Zoom world. Okay, I'll leave you with that. Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Ta-ta for now.